Hey everybody, it's Pastor Dylan. Welcome to the Dayspring Wesleyan Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take the time to download our church app. It's the best way to stay connected to the life of the church. All you have to do is go to your app store and search for Church Center, download and enter the information for our church. You will then be connected to our church community. I hope the following presentation inspires you to move closer to God in this journey we call faith. Enjoy. Good morning, church. I'm Pastor Alex. I'm the youth pastor here. I'm typically hiding in a different room than here. Uh, But they got me out here today, so I'm humble, and I'm glad that I get to be out here with you guys. Uh, One of the things that Chuck said last week, if you didn't hear it, it was his funniest joke that I think he's ever said. Uh, And it started with the thing that goes, Alex wants to take my job. No, definitely not true. Not at all. Uh, This actually terrifies me. So if you didn't know that, preaching is actually terrifying to me. It's not one of the things that is a strong suit to me. I prefer like a group of four to five people, and then we'll talk for hours. Uh, But today, I'm up here, and so I pray that the Lord will speak through me and to you all. And uh, so also, one of the things that I love is is the youth. And so one of the reasons I wouldn't ever want to have Chuck's job is because I love the youth. I love to work with the youth. I love to see them have aha moments or just points in their life where they are like, man, this makes sense, or they become who they are in Christ. And so I believe that passion started at a very young age for me. I believe it started when I was a a child because here's the thing. I always wanted to love people, and I also wanted to be loved. But the reality to that is I struggled with that. I struggled with what it meant to understand, am I lovable? And I struggled with self-doubt and self-worth. Those are things that were always on the back of my mind. And so I would do anything to achieve to love someone and to be loved. So much so that I'd get in a relationship with a woman uh, and I would allow for her to cheat on me for about six months of a relationship and I was going to propose to her. Yeah, that makes no sense, right? Uh, It doesn't. But in my head, because I was like, man, I want to be loved and I want to love somebody that I was willing to go wherever it took me. And I was able to say, like, yes, this is what I want. But the reality is sometimes when we have these passions or we have things in our head that we want to do, it can lead us astray. It can lead us to something that isn't of God at all. And so that's why it's extremely important for us to begin to think through, what is it in your life that needs to be shattered so that you can understand something that God has for you? The coolest thing about this is that God intervened at just the right time. I ended up not marrying that person, uh, with which praise be to the Lord. But in this moment, there was someone that was a friend to me that we would go on runs together. She would share the gospel to me. And I would get to this place to where I was completely vulnerable. I had emotions that I hadn't felt in years. And I remember very specifically, I was in the high school parking lot, bawling my eyes out, and I could not stop. I couldn't figure it out. I hadn't cried in like eight years is what it felt like. And so I'm just crying and I can't stop. And then this friend embraces me and just, I'm here for you. And I was like, I'm sorry. And they're like, no, it's fine. But ultimately I break down. And then later that night, the same friend ends up leading me to Jesus. So we've been having these conversations about the gospel and everything that's going on. She leads me to Jesus. And at that moment, everything in my life was shattered. But at the same time, I was entirely fulfilled because the love that I was searching for was right there. He loved me because he created me. I never had to do anything to receive it. He loved me. And then on top of that, I was able to begin to seek out what it means to love people, not in my own selfish intent, but in the way that God designed me to. 
And so my life began to change very quickly. I was going to go to college, and I was going to play football. I turned the scholarship down. I joined the military. I was baptized after that, and then I accepted my call to be a minister. I broke up with that person, too. That was in there. Uh, and then the crazy thing is, is the person that God used to intervene is now my wife, Michaela, the one eating dirt. Yeah, that's my wife. Uh, <laughs> I, claim, I claim her. But she's the one that led me to Jesus, and everything changed from that moment on. And see, there are times in our life when we will do something because we have so much passion and zeal to go after it, but it may be misguided or misdirected, and we need God to intervene. And we're going to talk about a young person in the Bible, and we're going to give, I'm going to give you like his backstory, but I'm not going to tell you who he is quite yet. And so there's this young man who is zealous and passionate about the Word of God. He lives in a, a, a town, and in this town, there's sexual immorality, people are super smart, they have money, and everything you could think of to pull you away from God is in this town. But from a young age, he decided he was going to be dedicated to the Lord and be set apart. So he would stay in his studies, and he would seek after God in everything that he was. And that's how he thought that he was serving the Lord. And he would. At a very young age, he would become a Pharisee. He would be somebody who was outstanding. He was set apart for sure. But what we get from this, is, which I absolutely love, is that when I hear certain words in the Bible, they may not have a certain ring to it like they would for this person. And so like if I said the Shema, which is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That would have had a certain ring. It would have been a sense of connection to the Lord. It would have been something that brought him close to the Lord. But for us, it may just be words on a page. The reality is these words were supposed to be inscribed in our hearts, in our houses. And so this individual took that to heart. But also, coupled with knowing the word and being zealous for the Lord, someone who was going to run after the Lord and everything that he was. He was reading the Old Testament prophets, and he wanted to be someone of zeal. And if you don't know what zeal is, I'll explain that here shortly. It's the idea that you will be, one, making a covenant with the Lord that's unbreakable, but two, that you would do anything to stop evil from happening within the Israelite community or within Israel. And so this young man would have wanted to do that. And it started with first the prophet Phineas. If you don't know who Phineas is, I didn't. Uh, so if you did, great. I'm glad you were studying up. I did not until I started getting super into this. Phineas is the guy that takes a stake and drives it through two people who are in the act of sexual immorality. And directly after this action, the plague that was going on within Israel stops and everyone turns back to God. And through the ancient tradition, he was then granted zeal. Someone who do, would do whatever it takes to stop the evil happening within Israel. And then we get to a next, the next prophet, which is Elijah, who would eventually have this contest with people who would worship Baal, these idol worshipers. And they would get in this contest and eventually be wiped out. And then Elijah also was granted zeal through the ancient tradition. And so if you read that and you're like, man, I can't wait to be like these two people, you would see there's a hole somewhere in this, this belief. Obviously, he was probably misdirected, but he would have jumped at any opportunity to serve the Lord, his God, with everything he had and do whatever it took to stomp out the evil that was going on in his time. And that person, which we'll read about in Acts 9, is Saul. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. 
He went to the high priest and asked him for the letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Saul was this zealous man who we later know as Paul, and Paul ends up writing two-thirds of the New Testament. And see, Saul was zealous. He would do anything to take out the evil that was going on in his time. And then what he would have thought when Jesus came to the scene is that everyone was beginning to worship an idol. But the reality is that wasn't true. He was going to go to Damascus, which was a city that was one of the number one trade routes in that time, and he would have believed in his mind that if I get there, I could eradicate the followers of the way entirely because the, the word of me taking them out would go across the land. And so people would have hid and gotten away. But here's the thing. If you're going to follow your own understanding and your own misguided beliefs, your passion and zeal without proper direction can be devastating. See, Saul was going to be devastated. There was going to be this shattering that would happen because he was so intent on doing something that he was going to be misguided by his own beliefs and which we find later. So Acts 3, or Acts 9, 3 through 5. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashes around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, this is the moment in his life in which he realized, I have really messed up. Because he just spent his entire life trying to strive in this religious background of becoming a Pharisee. And then he was like, I'm going to blot out these people because they're idol worshipers. And then he meets face to face the person he was persecuting. The God at which he thought he was serving. So his belief and understanding was shattered. But at the same time, he was fulfilled. Because he realized, wow, this is the God that I need to follow. This is the God I was seeking after in the first place. So I'm going to follow him. And so there are times in your life and my life that we need to have certain dreams shattered. There are certain things that need to be redirected and realigned. See, God didn't take his zeal from him. He didn't take that passion to serve the Lord from him. He said, you're going to keep this, but you're going to do it in the right way. I'm going to realign you back to what is necessary and true. That is what we get from Saul. The cool thing, too, about Saul is that If you look into Acts 22, we know that he would have been traveling around noon when this happened. See, here's the cool thing. Paul was devoted to the Lord. He was devoted. He would have been praying diligently to the Lord. And at noon, that would have been a common time of prayer for him. And so at noon, when he's praying, he most likely receives this intervention from God. That he is, he is surrounded by the Lord and he understands. What that tells me is that if you and I aren't seeking after the Lord diligently in our prayer life, we're going to miss out on the opportunity for God to intervene. Or we could miss out on the opportunity for God to intervene. Because I'm telling you, if you're set out to destroy a certain people group, or if you're set out to kill someone and you're not praying, one, I'll tell you, that's wrong. But if you're not praying about it, there's something wrong. You should think about it. Like, I should be diligently seeking after the Lord, because if not, that consequence falls on you. It falls on me. So that's why it's important when we take a step with the Lord that we know that it's truly from him. 
We take a step in that faith. And here's cool too. If you do not take time to seek his guidance from the Holy Spirit and reflect on your motives, your zeal will lead to your destruction. I mean, if you think about it like this, in a car, as you're driving down the road and your car goes out of alignment, who here's ever had a car out of alignment? You get a little shake, kind of pulls a little maybe. Yeah, I've had that. And here's the thing. Because I'm a mechanic, if you will, or I do mechanics on the side, I will ignore things for a really long time. I will, because I'm like, whatever. But the reality is, if you ignore something like that, eventually other parts begin to break, or your tires begin to wear much faster. And so then you get to a point to where you can be left on the side of the road because things break down. Don't be that person. Don't be the one that ignores things. If you get the alignment right away, if you're seeking God's wisdom right away, you can get the alignment now so that you don't have to count the cost or the consequence that it's going to be later in life. Because if you know anything about a car, those parts are expensive. They're very expensive. And so in your life, there's a cost, and it comes with an expense. So get aligned sooner rather than later. We turn to Acts 6 through 9. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. See, I love this part as it's coupled with the other one. And the reality of this is that, again, Saul is diligently searching for the Lord and seeking after doing the Lord's work. And he hears in the last passage, I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. This is great because at this point he realizes that everything that he has been doing was wrong. That it's not by achieving evil or doing evil to achieve the good. It's by laying down your life and then being resurrected later in life. See, Saul was face-to-face with the Messiah, the risen king. He is alive and he was well. And so Saul would have had that happen. And so when that happens again, when you hear the words of the Shema, I'm going to go back to, when it had the ring of dedication and, and being right there with him, it would have been a certain way. It would have been coupled with those Old Testament prophets. But now when he hears, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. It would have shaken him to the core because he is now face to face with the one true God that he's been chasing after. It would have shaken him to his absolute core. The weight of everything that he had done, the reality is he was one of the people who said, kill Stephen, which was one of the disciples. That weight would have sat on him. But in the same time, again, fully fulfilled, because now he knows the new way. But at the same time, he was so misguided that when he was blinded by Jesus, by God, he needed to be led by the hand. What in your life are you blind to in which you need to be led by the hand? Because the reality is you and I both have something that needs to be shattered. You and I both have something that we need to be led by the hand so that we can be intentionally like learning from the Lord. Or we have to have our mind rewired by somebody else so that we can see a difference in our life. We have to have that. You have to have a community of believers around you that will help you and guide you and lead you by the hand. Because if not, you may wander off the path and it may lead to a bad situation. 
And then Acts 10 through 12, or no, 10 through 16, wow. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he was seen, or he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore him. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. This is a very powerful set of verses here. And the reality is he takes an ordinary man, Ananias, who's only been talked about twice in the Bible. Just an ordinary person. He says, you're going to do this work. You and I are both ordinary. We may never lead thousands to Jesus. But what Ananias does is he goes and talks to Paul, who we know as Saul right now, to Saul. And then Saul writes two-thirds of the New Testament. He's one of the people who wins over tons of people for Jesus. And here's what's cool. If you actually obey and you step in to what God is calling you to do, you can be the ordinary person who might share the gospel with one who then changes your entire community, who changes the nation, who then can also change the world. We all have a purpose and a role in this. And the cool thing about that, too, is that Ananias, again, being this ordinary person, was probably fearful. Like, I'm not going to step out and, and be like, okay, that dude just said kill Stephen, and now he's coming here to take me to prison? I don't know if I'm going that way. I don't know if I'm going to do that, personally. But here's what God does. He gives him assurances. He says, I have chosen Saul. He's a chosen instrument. And not only does he say that, but he also tells him that he's going to lay hands on him, that he's going to protect him. But here's the cool one, that Saul was in prayer, which would have been this symbol of humility, saying, I am here to receive instruction by you, God. And then we get to the next part, which I absolutely love, which comes through Acts 17 through 19. And it says, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother, Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. We see this faithful step. Again, I want to reiterate this. A faithful step of an ordinary person who changes the entire Christian walk or the way that we know. He steps into it. He embraces him. He embraces him with the word brother, a term of endearment, family, something of meaning. He lays hands on him a sense of touch, love, compassion. It's in these moments that we can change somebody's life. So when we see someone, why are we not calling them brother or giving them whatever term of endearment that you have chosen for them, but embracing them as family, inviting them over for meals, showing them that there is a different way and that there is a love of God that lives through you. And so when they see you, they truly see Christ in every action that you do.
and to embrace them. Give people hugs. I'm telling you, people need hugs. Love them. Care for them. It's important because it changed Saul's life. It changed it. And so if you're sitting here and you think that you don't have a purpose or that you can't lead someone to Christ, I'm telling you right now that you can. And it could impact this community. It can impact the people closest to you. And it can impact the nation if we truly stepped in. Because it only takes one ordinary man or woman to step into it to change things. And so, again, we all have a purpose in, a, in this mission. Acts 20 through 22. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoner to the chief priest? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. See, Paul does not hesitate to jump in and begin to share about Jesus. And I don't care if you have known Jesus for a really long time or if you just know Jesus today or earlier this week, however it happened. Allow for your zeal that when it first happened to live through you, that you jump out there and you share the good news of God. But the coolest thing, or the thing that I think that I enjoyed the most, was it wasn't that necessarily Saul was saying all these doctrinal things. It was the way that he lived that people began to question. Wasn't he the guy that was supposed to take these people back? Now he's sharing about the way? And here's the reality. You don't have to have all of the theological things set in stone in your mind. One, if you have them all set in stone, you probably got some misguided stuff that needs to be shattered anyway. But at the end of the day, the thing that changed those people was his testimony of his life. Because it's important to know how to defend your faith. But if your life reflects the change of who God has and what he's done, that is defense in itself. If your life reflects the change, that is defense in itself. And so you should be living out the change in your life, what God is doing. You're not going to be perfect overnight, no. But people will begin to see change if you live it out. And that will be a testament. That is a defense that our God is risen and living. And so Acts 23 through 25 says, After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept him close, watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. As we know Saul, he likes to ruffle some feathers. Uh, even in the, the New Testament writings, we see that he ruffles these churches' feathers. And so he's ruffling some feathers, but the thing that I want to note about is once he was removed from this, he goes on a three-year, you can call it a sabbatical, or a three-year stay away. And we learn that from Acts, uh, no, Hebrews. Uh, he talks about his time where he took three years. And in this time, he most likely was rewiring his brain. He was most likely going through all those Old Testament scriptures that he had been misdirected or misguided on, and he was reading wrong. And so, again, when he would have read those words this time, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The ring of those words would no longer carry the old zealous ways of trying to use evil to eradicate people. 
but it would have been coupled with the grace of God and who he was, that the risen king was alive and well, and we get to tap into that. That's how it would have started. He would have began to rewire his brain. And so my question for you is what friends, what job opportunities, what acquaintances, what songs, what TV shows do you need to let go of so that the Lord can rewire your brain? What do I need to let go of so that the Lord can rewire my brain? And I said this first service and I got made fun of for it, but it's okay. T-Swizzle, that's Taylor Swift from my old folks in the room. Yes, T-Swizzle is one of the people that I enjoy to listen to. Yeah, I'm not afraid, I'll jam it windows down. That's what I do, okay? But here's the reality. T-Swizzle doesn't always give you the best life messages. Some of the things that she has in her song are not good for you. And so if you don't take time to step away from it and allow for your brain to be rewired, you'll never know what's going on. It's easy to be sucked into it. And I'm not saying T-Swizzle's this terrible person. I'm just saying you got to take a step back to rewire it. What friends? This was the hardest thing for me when I started believing in Jesus was stepping away from my friends that I had been with for years so that God could rewire my brain and show me the goodness of who he is. Some things needed to be shattered so that I could be fulfilled in the Lord. And I'm telling you, this has been the best thing for me. Following Jesus has always been fulfilling. It has always filled me. And so there are things that you have to take a a glance at. What do you need rewired? And so there are times to share your faith which Saul did right away, and there was a time for him to step back and reflect. It was his testimony that shared, and then he had to step back and reflect. He had to rewire. And then we go into Acts 26 through 31. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. And how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He told, or talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea, and he sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria enjoyed a time of peace, was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord, encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. Again, we see that Paul, not this time being led by the hand, but is in need of help. Someone who used to do all things on his own, was in need of help. He needed a great encourager who was Barnabas to restore him and bring him back, to show that he was a changed person. And some of you here today are great encouragers. It's easy for you to be like, yeah, they're a changed person, or it's easy for you to give someone a second chance. And some of you are a little more apprehensive or maybe don't do that. But here's the thing, we all make mistakes, do we not? And so there are always times when someone else may have to restore us back to a group or restore us back to something. But the reality is I don't think enough of us are encouragers, and so that's why a lot of people don't step into a church. It's because they have only seen what the bad is and never the good. See, Barnabas didn't focus on Saul's past. He focused on who he was as a changed person and the future. 
He didn't say, oh, he did this, 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 and this. That was bad. No. He focused on who he was then, a changed person, so that he could then proceed to go forward. And then again, we get to Saul ruffling feathers. He loves to do that. Uh, He ruffles some feathers, and then he has to leave again. But again, when he ruffles these feathers, he's on the flea or he's on the run. This is part of when it said, I will show him that he must suffer for me. See, the reality is when we follow Jesus, we're going to lose friends naturally as we love the Lord. We're going to lose people in our life naturally because we follow faithfully to the Lord. And that's going to be hard, and that is part of the suffering. But again, Saul does it with that zeal and passion from the beginning that I will serve the Lord my God with everything. And he does that great, but he does it fulfilled. He counted it as joy as we look into his other letters. Counted all as joy. Because in the end, if he were to give his life over for this, if he were to die for this, he knows that he's going to be resurrected. There is hope in Jesus. So you can walk into situations and love people. It's going to hurt or it may not go the way that you wanted. And you might have to flee and that might hurt. But you can still do that and be fully filled or fulfilled and have joy. And some things, again, need to be shattered. And I want to leave you with this, that if you allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and for your zeal to be realigned and your misguided passions to be shattered, I truly believe that you can be fulfilled. And see, we can change the lives of those around us when we do that, when we step into it, just like Ananias and then Saul steps into it, you can be fulfilled. And God didn't change who he was, per se. He took his misguided understanding and aligned it with who Christ had called him to be. God didn't change necessarily who I was in wanting to love people and to be loved. He changed it, aligning it with that of the Lord, aligning it with loving teens and walking in the muddy and helping them see God. And so what passions do you have that need to be realigned so that God can bring you into fulfillment? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for the fact that you can take someone who is on the wrong path and set them on the right path with a passion and with a mission. Lord, you give each person here today a purpose and a mission. I'm not saying for them to give up their passion, but Lord, I'm praying that they will will humbly seek after you to realign that passion with you. Lord, I pray for a new zeal to be a fire in these people's lives, in my life, so that we may share the gospel and not be afraid of what might happen, that we know that we are fully fulfilled in you and that your love is with us. And if we need to hear that you love us, Lord, find some way to show us that you love us. If it's that we need to know that we are established and put in this position for a reason, then let that be. Lord, whatever we are needing today, show us your way and show us how to be fulfilled. Give us the strength and the courage to move forward. But ultimately, Lord, shatter what needs to be shattered so that we may humbly come before you and seek you. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you are in the Marion area, we would love to engage with you at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For directions, service times, 
and information about our fantastic children and student ministries, visit us at dayspringwesleyan.org. That's dayspringwesleyan.org.